You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of the Step Over Podcast. Um, we might have to change our name to the Chokehold or the Fist Fight or the Powerful Arms, whatever it was. That uh, oh, Sham said that Embiid or they said that Simmons was calming him down with his arms. The calming arms, calming his calming calming arms. Uh, I am Jim Adair. With me as always is Max Rappaport. Max, how you doing? I'm I'm doing well, Jim. I'm doing well as well. Uh, we did uh, planned on potting at the time we're potting as as it was, uh, figuring we would have a couple of games worth of basketball to talk about. Um, but that's not the top story anymore, Max. Because there was a fist fight, kind of, not really, but kind of a brawl, but not really. What it was more say? than like a hold me back fight, though. It was, but it was like I think scuffle is probably scuffle appropriate. Is, yeah, it has the appropriate uh, gravity to it. Scrap, yeah, scrap, sure, sure. Um, if somehow you don't know what we're talking about, um, I was actually at the game and I was on the other end of the court, so I didn't get to you know I was focused on the ball coming my way. Didn't get to see it all start in person, but I did get to see uh, Carl Anthony Towns quite literally tap out. Um, there was some uh, annoyance on the side of Carl Anthony Towns, whether it be because Embiid was kind of you know throwing his weight around all night or whatever. Maybe kicking they were saying ass. something to each other. Yeah, but I mean, it's, I think it was less he's kicking his ass and more the way he was kicking his ass. He was just throwing his weight around as as the man can do because he's so big. Um, and then he was Cat was in the post. Embiid came with a double team, and as if you know anything about uh, young players in the NBA, they don't like double teams at all. Uh, Embiid himself included, uh, Devin Booker included, Carl Anthony Towns included. Um, Towns passed out of it. I think it was a turnover. Uh, in the passing out of it, uh, Embiid flopped essentially. Uh, like, hey, like you know, you impeded my motion of trying to steal the ball from you, which he also just does. Uh, Towns did not take kindly to that. There was some words exchanged, a couple of pushes, and then just some long arms flying around, going behind people's heads, going into people's faces. Um, Brett Brown ran onto the court. Some other people ran onto the court. There was some people were pulled apart. Ben Simmons, I wouldn't say he took Cat to the ground, right? He didn't like, there was no takedown. But no, Cat like, ended up on the ground, and then ended Ben up Simmons on the jumped, jumped on top. Like right, pot, and it was described as a chokehold, which uh, it did look like at first. But if you look at it, he doesn't. He has an arm over his shoulder and kind of across his chest, in one of those like big brother holding you. Like, are you are you are you fucking chill now? Are you you done? Are you done? Like one of those. But he was also laying on top of him, and Cat didn't like that either. Uh, Embiid shadow boxed. They both got ejected. Nothing for Simmons. Game went on. Then there were some tweets sent after the game. Which that's where the Ooh, real problem. Where there's some tweets. That there were some real tweets. There was some real problem. Honestly, arises. Uh, 
I'm honestly shocked that Towns and Embiid got two games only because for me, in my mind, that's that's a two game scuffle. Then the extracurriculars probably pushed that to a three to five, but they both got two. Um, I wish Embiid had followed the advice that all of us don't follow, but should, which is just never tweet. Uh, he went too far, I think, in, in probably both of the follow-up tweets that he sent. He was obviously fired up. Cat was fired up. I think Cat crossed the line as well. Um, but that it should have stopped on the court. That was bad. That was not good. Um, and that shouldn't have been done by Joel or by Carl. But that's where we are now. Max, takeaways on the whole thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like... Do, do you think that Joel Embiid could have avoided a suspension entirely? If, no. Imagine from the moment that he gets up, they, they end up on the ground, Simmons jumps on Cat, and B gets up, and the first thing he does is he points at Mike Scott and goes over and daps him up, and they're like going nuts, and he's doing the shadow boxing, and then he's watching the replay, and then obviously all the tweets. Like If, if none of that had happened... Is it possible he just gets kicked out of the game because they had to do that at that point and then there's no suspension for him? I think the only time that's possible is if Embiid gets up, kind of puts his hands up like, my bad, things got heated, you know, no real reaction. Yeah. Um, gets ejected, kind of gives a nod, maybe like a little like like hand up, like head nod to the Wolves bench, like, yo, you know, shit happened, our bad, and then walks away. But I still, there's, I still think there's a suspension there because one... Even though he's never really been in a like a, a scuffle of this magnitude in the court before, he carries a reputation of getting under people's skin, uh, and people can't handle that, and they think that they need to like call the teacher on him a little bit. And two, there is no reality where that would have been his reaction to this. So this is just yeah, a nonsensical question anyway. That's true. Um, yeah, it's a real bummer for me. I'm So they're playing in Portland tomorrow on Saturday, and uh, me and a couple friends from Seattle are driving down. Uh, it'll still be a good game, but that it kind of sucks. That, you know, I've, when I looked at the schedule, I was like, all right, nice. It's a Wednesday game before that. They got two days completely off, and then they play in Portland. Definitely no rest for Embiid, and then <laughs> he gets in a fist fight on the court yeah. and is suspended. Um I mean, it was exciting. But you get to see, I liked you get it. to see like, my favorite, my favorite non-sixer in the entire league, and Damian Lillard. Yes, and I get to see your maybe favorite uh, part-time sixer, uh, Kyle O'Quinn. Oh, I do love Kyle. Probably play big minutes. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I my thoughts on the fight. I mean, it was. I was surprised that it got as I, I still can't really tell how it started. Like you described, like. There was some pushing and shoving. There were, like, kind of locking arms a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it just, like, got really out of hand really fast. And it didn't seem like leading up to that there was... Usually with 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 that kind of fight, I feel like there's, there's a couple minutes of, like, lead up to that, right? Where you see them, like, kind of drawing at each other yeah. or, like, kind of a little bit of, like, shoving after a play. And then, like, the next time down, there's a fight like that. It kind of felt like mm -hmm. it came out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was there's some history there in general, um, and I think Towns and and you know what, you can see that there's like all these quotes from you know Timberwolves teammates, quote unquote, and, and I think the only person who's really named in any of these quotes is Jeff Teague, but like basically saying like, yeah, it's good that Carl did that. Like he's got to step up a little bit. He's got to get more aggressive. Um, he's got to not let people push him around, whether it be physically or like mentally in a game. So, okay, there you go. My whole thing is this, too. 
they got Sport VU tracking cameras in like the rafters of every arena in the league. We can't get a single shot of like this whole thing. Every single video of this, the camera pans away and then pans back. We can't even really see. It's like in a corner. That's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, the craziest thing to me is like, yes, like I said, tweets afterwards went too far. Shouldn't have happened. Honestly, I probably would have given Embiid three games towns two if you're going to give if two is the baseline, and that would be for the you know the the post game instigation or the post game you know continuation of it. I think that would probably would have been a fair assessment. Would have been fine. Um, Simmons getting nothing. I don't disagree with. It's you know if they want to call him a peacemaker, that's what that is. And if they talk to everybody else and they watched all the video and all the cameras that we probably don't even have, then like sure, yeah. Um, but the idea that is floating around in let's say the upper midwest of the united states of america in minnesota that like joel Embiid is some kind of like hardened criminal who must be stopped at all costs and carl anthony towns is a sweet little baby boy who cannot be corrupted and it's all Embiid's fault and Embiid should be suspended for long periods of time for what he did to poor carl is so insane to me well there it's was so a whole like ridiculous. all these screenshots of the the eye gouge or whatever yeah. where like but if, if you, you zoom in, you zoom it's out like, yes, screen. his thumb is on his eye for that one second. But if you zoom out, it's like Embiid is like literally in a headlock with his arm like up to like try to get yeah. out of it. It's like they don't know how video works because there's another one where it's like Embiid is like, obviously, he's doing his flop thing. I'll admit he was flopping. But in the picture, Towns has one finger on his wrist. It's like, OK, I got to say, but that like, picture is really funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's very funny. But like, that's not everything that happened. That is a single split image. Like, come on. And but like, you know, yeah. but you know, if that were the other way around, we'd be that would be my my avatar right now is Carl oh, Towns yeah, flopping at the one finger yeah. of Joel Embiid it's, on him. Yeah, it's very funny. But like the thumb in the eye, I think is like, come on, guys. He has his head. He's shoving his head down at the same time. We all know Embiid doesn't have that kind of accuracy from distance. Like, come on, it's ridiculous. And like, I, I yeah, do think the, too. I was surprised that Embiid didn't get a longer suspension than Towns because not only. Was he, I mean, whoever you want to say was the instigator of the actual fight. And Bede's, like, antics afterwards. And then he also was the one to post about it on Instagram. Like, Carl Towns eventually did his own thing. and But, like, also Embiid started the, the post-game stuff. And went, I think, a lot further than, than Towns did. Like, called him a pussy in the yeah. in the on Twitter. Like, it, yeah, that I was, was kind not... of surprised there wasn't, like, a, there wasn't a straight-up fine for that. Yeah. In addition to the suspension. Well, I mean, I don't know how the CBA works, but I, I, I even if it's laid out in CBA, this is anyway, fine, whatever. But, like, I'm never fully convinced that, like, there aren't league fines that we're just never told about. You know? But, yeah, I mean, that was too far. Anything, like, honestly, anything past post-game press conference went too far, I think. On both sides. Because also there's the, the idea that... Um, it's happening on Minnesota Twitter, which I got blocked from a couple of people on there. That like Embiid is like bullying Cat like so severely, and like he's taking like an emotional toll on him and like all this stuff. But like Cat was the one first who posted a picture of Joel crying after Game Seven, like making fun of him being emotional. So if that's not bullying, then I don't know what is. Also, none of it's bullying. It's people heated in the moment. Do I wish it wasn't going on that way? Sure, but like it's not rising to that level. Like, everyone relax a little bit. Also, these are the this is the fan base that idolizes Kevin Garnett. And if you had heard the things he would have said to people on the court, holy shit, you would have put you would have wanted to put him in prison. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Just get some context. Take a step back. You know, 
I'm not shocked because it's the same fan base that wanted like the league to arrest the entire Eagles organization for some reason after they came in here and lost. Like there's something in the water in Minnesota, I guess. But just everyone relax. I mean, they w- they wanted to put the Go Birds guy to death. Like yeah, firing squad. Yeah, it was wild. So was it too much by Embiid? One hundred percent, it was. Uh, do scuffles hap- like this happen in the NBA? Yes. Should they? Probably less than they do. But they already don't happen that frequently anyway. Uh, is there overreaction on both sides? Oh, yeah. 1,000%. But, like, everyone relax. Move on. It's past it now. They've both gotten talkings to by the league, I am sure. And we'll see what happens going forward from here. But let's not forget, Rajon Rondo spit in Chris Paul's face last year. <laughs> like, that is, like, actual... If that didn't happen on the court, that is, like, an actual criminal offense. <laughs> like, everyone take a breath. Relax. So what do we think? What do we think with with Embiid out for two games? Uh, where do we think those minutes come from? First like, of all, what do you think poor, they do? Poor do you think, Al do you, Horford. Yeah, honestly, Al Horford, poor Al Horford. Al Horford's response was so funny after the game. There's no, where he's just like, on. there's no place. It was for that basically in our just game. like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, like, yeah. It was very much the thing, and the league was very much the thing too. Where like, you know, you have one brother. I have one brother. So we both know this. We're like, if you're both fighting. Your parents don't give a shit who started it. You're both punished the same. Just stop doing it. They don't care. They don't care who started what. Just stop it. And I feel like that's what this was. It's like, I don't care who started what. You both just got to stop it for two games. All right? <laughs> but yeah, poor Al Horford comes in here and he's like, I don't want to play the five anymore. I'm going to play the four next to Joel Embiid. It's going to be great. It's going to be better on my body. Long, make my career a little bit longer. I'll feel great. I fit the system so well. We're four games in. And now he'll have to he'll have had to be the starting center for five of the first six games of the season. No, sorry, three of the first six. Like, come on. Poor Al. He just wants to sip his chocolate milk, rest his body, and just take less of a beating. That's all he wants. Poor Al. Do we do we so think I, they'll start they'll start Thibault? Is that I think they'll probably go with what they did in the second game of the year when Embiid was out too. Probably the same thing. Thibault's been playing out of his goddamn mind. Um, I think having him, uh, especially start defensively against a team whose like only offensive force are its two main guards, is good. Uh, you know, versus a team like, although I guess I mean, he, well, Detroit didn't have Blake Griffin, but like if Detroit had had Blake Griffin, it may have made less sense to start Thibault and instead do some shifting around and put a bigger body in there. Because their their main offensive force is a big guy, whereas this case is not. So that definitely makes sense for Portland. Um, and I think it seems to be, you know, Brett doesn't like fucking with rotations all that much on like a game to game basis. He likes to keep things steady. So it seems that like you know, if that's what he worked with in the second game of the year, he's probably gonna stick with that for now until it looks like it doesn't work or something else arises that looks better. So that seems most likely to me. Keeps your rotations generally intact. Still seeing a lot of goddamn Corkmaz minutes, but whatever he did fine in the last game. <laughs> Just uh, it's it's really bizarre. Like he, I mean, I know he scored seventeen last game, which was I think like one shy of a career high. He looked pretty good. It was. He played. He played the most minutes of any bench player. Like, it, yeah. And I'm I'm pulling up his game log right now because I'm curious. Um, it feels like pretty much every game. Yeah, I mean, he played nineteen minutes in the opener. Uh, seven and a half the game after that, twelve after that, and then twenty-two. Like I just, I don't really get. I don't. I don't get it. I don't. I don't Here's get what, why. And you have Mike Scott like 
playing like the fourth most minutes of any player on the bench and not well, even see, including the game where he got suspended where he or got kicked out like just like last night or right. two nights ago he played 17 minutes which was less than Ennis Thibault and Korkmaz right but so here's what I think is happening here um and part of it is Embiid being out shifts everything around a lot but part of it is just this when you have Josh Richardson uh, who's your starting two guard, which, you know, you can say two and three, and to some extent four are your wing positions, right? The way it depends on how you use the players, but yeah. So when you have Richardson, then taking over the backed up point guard minutes, that takes away one of your wing spots, which means you have to play another wing more. And that wing is going to end up being Korkmaz, because Korkmaz can't play the four, really. He's not nowhere near strong enough. Uh, so that the four spot there we're going to Mike Scott and Ennis is stronger although not as big as Korkmaz maybe it's roughly mm-hmm. the same size but um, so that spot goes right there because other, the other question like who else are you going to put in that spot then really are you going to put Jonah Bolden in those minutes playing at the three probably not are you going to shift everything around and have like a Kyle O'Quinn uh, Al Horford Mike Scott like t- like uh, front court no probably not and because you're not playing Neto or Burke, who are your, your pure backup points, which would then shift Richardson back to the wing area and have more wing minutes there, if you were doing something like that, Korkmaz would have much fewer uh, opportunities to even play. But that's not what we're doing right now. The why, I don't quite get. And maybe Brett really, really believes in Korkmaz's ability, which is hysterical. Because let's just break this down real quick. Korkmaz was playing so infrequently last year that he asked for, like, the least clout-driven trade of all time. Like, he had no leverage at all, and he asked for a trade. They didn't trade him, and then didn't pick up his option, which is essentially saying, thanks, but no thank you anymore. Like, good luck, have fun, we hope to never see you again. And by doing that, they were locked into, like, I think they can pay him, like, a maximum of $2.2 million a year, because that's what the option would have been for. Like, something like that. 2.6, whatever it was. So then he's a free agent to sign literally anywhere else in the world can pay him more than that. The only team that is limited by finances in that case is the Philadelphia 76ers. And that's where he signs. A team that didn't want him, that he didn't want, and that could legally only pay him so much. And he came back here, and now he's like playing the six most minutes on the team. Uh-huh. It's baffling. If this wasn't any other team, this would be like, this is a really weird thing. But here it's like the 485th weirdest thing that happened in like the last four months. But it is baffling. Like, that makes no logical sense. But it's happening. And I don't get it. I think Brett believes in him, thinks he can just make him into like this pure pull the trigger shooter. Uh, he he was quoted after the game the other night saying that like, you know, they just want me to shoot the ball as much as possible and I'm going to do that. And if that works out and they think they can like build his confidence that way or or make him into like a you know, uh, you know a Joe Harris diet or a, like a C minus Joe Ingles, sure, do that. But I don't know if that's who he is. No, he doesn't. I've seen nothing to make me think that's who he is. Yeah, it's it's very confusing. Uh, Thibault looks really good, though. It looks great. 
Guy's averaging three steals and a block and a half in 22 minutes a game. I know. It's wild. That's like... That's Do you like, want to know what his per 36 is? That's like defensive player of the year numbers. <laughs> like, his per 36 is five steals and two and a half blocks per 36. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's like, I, I know we're four games into the year, but we also had, what, four or five preseason games plus the scrimmage. Like, every, mm-hmm. literally every time he steps on the floor, he gets like four steals. Yeah. And because he, he's so active, too. And he doesn't seem, he seems like we like have boundless energy. Part of, I do wonder um, if it's like uh, in Major League Baseball when there's like a rookie pitcher that's really great, like who'll just blow through teams. But after teams see him once or twice and they get tape on him and stuff like that, that's when the real test starts because it's like, okay, now they know my tendencies. Now they know what pitchers look like and I still have to beat them. And some pitchers like just can't get to that point um, mm-hmm. and can't get over that hump. Like, a, you know, Vance Worley, for example. Other things happen there, but like, yeah. So I wonder if this is a little bit of like uh, sticker shock or if it's something like he's just that much of a pest where he's going to disrupt you. But once a team sees him, you know, once or twice and notices his tendencies and looks a lot of film on him, I wonder if those numbers will come down a little bit. Um, Because right now, I mean, they're just astronomical. So they're probably going to come down a bit anyway because they're just like stunningly high. But yeah. And that's another guy too where like, if he's doing that on the defensive end, like he can shoot whatever he wants. He's been shooting the ball a lot, which I think again is trying to build their confidence and get him into that rhythm and stuff like that. Hasn't been making a ton of them, but like just let the guy shoot. That's how I feel. I mean, I feel the opposite of him. I feel Corkmans is like because he's earned the right to like let's see what you got go in there and fire the ball. Whereas Corkmans doesn't have that. I don't know how how he's gotten the leash he's gotten, but it feels weird. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they'll figure it out. They'll yeah, I mean, right. So right now, just for example, my hope is by uh, the end of November they have a, a rotation that makes a little more sense. That's a little more fleshed out. Uh, Matisse Thibel is four of fifteen for three this year. Corkmaz uh, is four of fourteen. Although Thibel is also one of six for two pointers, which is not great. Not great. Thibault um, also leads the league in deflections, and yes. he leads the league in deflections and steals, despite averaging twenty-two minutes a game. Like I don't know this, and this is probably something I could have thought of earlier and looked it up. Yeah, but like, what is like a really good like steals to fouls ratio? I don't know. Like steals plus blocks. It's to hard fouls. because it's because it, it, it's tough because it's dependent on a lot of other things too. Yeah, it is. Trying to figure out, I don't even know if that's like a metric that can actually tell you anything. But because it does seem like he's getting not that he's getting calls, but like he's avoiding the foul call pretty decently so far too. Yeah. yeah. Do you have anything else to talk about? No, I don't think so. I, I kind of think we don't. Um, yeah. I'm I'm very excited to hear your uh, your Portland Trailblazers uh, in arena experience. Yeah, this is my first time going. I've been to their arena before when I worked for the Sixers, but I haven't been down since I moved to Seattle. Like, so I haven't been as yeah. a fan ever. Yeah, so this will be my oh, first time. That brings up one thing I'd yeah. like to mention quickly. Um, the uh, watching League Pass, and I've mentioned this before in, in offhandedly, but I'm watching it more now. Um, I'm watching the in arena feeds for a lot of arenas. Oh, it's amazing. God damn, you don't know how lucky we have it here, man. <laughs> like some, I mean, I understand smaller teams, smaller markets, stuff like that. But like some of the in arena stuff is just, it feels like very like minor league baseball even at times. Yeah. 
Whereas like the Sixers, like it's like legit, like high production value, like good ideas, fun, active, like man, really spoiled here. Honestly, are they do such a great job with the in arena entertainment and just video packages and all that kind of shit. Just very, very good. Yeah, it's gotten really good, and, and yeah, it's it's a joke, especially some of the teams that are historically really good, like the the Spurs, for example. Like everything mm-hmm. they do in arena, the Mavericks is like weird. Um, like the Rockets are good. Like there are teams that just do a good job with their videos and stuff. But there are so many times when I'm watching a game and it's like the Utah Jazz, uh, or it's like Denver, and the in arena is just like. It's like half of it is just like kids flossing, yeah, like to various cams, and then like the weirdest promotions, yeah, uh, where someone's like doing like a sack race to win mm-hmm. like a Geico hat. It just yeah sucks. There's a. I wonder if part of that is that because the team was so bad on purpose for a while, they're like we needed to make the actual experience at the arena good. And which if that's the case, then like good mandate from ownership. Uh, what was the Adam like, Aaron the Adam Aaron mandate? <laughs> like more I mean, T shirt yeah, like, cannons. Yeah. Uh but like yeah, for example, like I was watching the uh Thunder game, and not to pick on the Oklahoma City Thunder, but uh at, at one of the timeouts, one of the games they played was um the uh it was um name which year this headline appeared in the Oklahoman. Oh my which god. Was, the headline was about naming the, the Thunder's G League team. Uh, so they got the person got it right, and they won a Kindle. <laughs> it was just like okay, sure, why not? Yeah, and it just fa- felt famous so headlines weird. in the Oklahoman could have been really dark. That's- yeah, yeah, I know. And I was like, when they were doing that, I'm like, is it going to be like, like notable tragedies or like, like this guy was elected to office, and then they were like, oh, they named the team the Oklahoma City Blue. It's like okay, that's like the softest way you could have possibly done it, yeah. I guess, but. Also, Oklahoma City uh, in arena experience, very bizarre in that they do a pregame prayer, which you can see on the, if you're watching one of their in arena things on League Pass, you get to see the prayer, which is a very weird thing to see at a I did not see that, game. but that is extremely, extremely weird, and it makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Like a guy Don't comes out, that. and it's like, they, it's like the, basically the national anthem. It seems like it's like a different person every time, and they like pray for the safety of the players, and the thunder victorious and whatever else it's very i mean cool but like it feels very weird also yeah. like it's a different guy every time like that's their version of ringing the bell like hey yeah. miles <laughs> sanders come lead us in prayer yeah also the the uh washington wizards completely stole like almost note for note ripped off the the bell they have a what guy they now do? they're like oh they're like oh it's new this year and it was like he, it was like literally a comically large gavel hitting like a, a gavel <laughs> pad and he had to swing it over his head three times and as he hit the three times it lit up the Washington Monument on the court for their pregame video package. Which I don't get they, a third the weird gavel, thing. The gavel? Like, like the was Supreme a giant court? oversized gavel like Supreme Court and also you hit it three times and there's these three stars like their flag and they let up boom, boom, boom and then it lights up the shaft of the Washington Monument. It's a strange visual as well. So, I gotta yeah. say uh, speaking of the ringing the bell I know this is probably really difficult, and it's like I'm, I'm saying uh, with no knowledge of how the technology works. Uh, so anyone who knows how it works or if someone from the Sixers is listening, like, obviously, you've probably thought of this. How is it possible there's no way to just have, like, not play a video of the court breaking, but have there be, like, a button somebody can press that, like, does that effect? Or, like, 
you know what I'm talking about? Like they they yeah. try to lot time it up every time and never do they get it right. Like the person yeah. is very clearly like they probably tell them beforehand, like, all right, you're going to do it. I'm going to give you the, the signal to you do it. And see, then like every time they're yeah. confused, they don't know if they're supposed to do it three times. Like you can see if this person listens to our podcast, please reach out. The guy every time kneeling the person's down the bell, the guy kneeling down who's like counting out. He's like, now, 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 now. Okay. Okay. Now, now, now. Like he's almost tapping on the leg. Like hit it now. But like, yeah, I guess there should be a way to like, yeah, can you like link the sound of the bell being hit to trigger something? I don't know. It's or the just future. like a person hitting a button. Like I don't know. It, no. Is there no way to to do like a live effect on on this thing? Like it's not the effect know. isn't that complicated. It's just like the court breaking a little bit yes. more and more. Like you would think there'd be a way, or even to like I don't know, like pause the pause the thing and then like I don't yeah. know to have there be some way. I'm just thinking of like how video works. Like you would think there'd be a way to just like time it up a little bit better. But also, side note, if you are that guy who tells, tells them when to hit the bell, reach out to us and give us some, some hot gossip on who was the worst at it, who was the best at it, who didn't understand the, the concept of it at all. I want all the scoop. Hit me up. You can be anonymous. You can, you can say you're not that guy. You're some other guy that happens to work there. Just give me the, give me the gossip. I want the it. The guy is the actual ring that bell brother guy. Like that is his job yeah. is to tell people ring that bell brother. Quite literally, yeah. Yeah. All right, I think we're I think we're done. I don't think we have anything yeah, more now that we're talking about the bell for five minutes. The bell is the most important part. You know, it's whatever Matt Cord's uh, script that he reads. The bell symbolizes unity and revolution, or blah blah blah, blah. The whole thing, the whole spiel he's got. It's yeah. Great. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. This was mostly about fights and bells. Uh, and uh, after we see some more basketball with like the team intact, would be great. Full team. Yeah, that'd be nice. Joel, be great. You know. Um, we'll have more to say about how they're playing, but they're also 4-0. Can't be mad. All right. See ya. That's all. See ya. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.